couple of weeks ago, we were on vacation uh, in Florida, uh, and we, we were at a beach with uh, all of our uh, four kids and their spouses, as well as our 12 grandkids and, and Rita and ourselves. So 22 of us were there. So we got, got there Saturday. Sunday morning we got up, and we had kind of a, a small, short uh, uh uh, church service with uh, with the grandkids and the kids. And before we started the service, I I had kind of a family meeting, and and it was really aimed more at the grandkids than it was the kids to kind of go over some uh, some rules and some things that we need to be thinking about. So one of the things I talked about is that that uh, they they needed to obey any any adult. So even if it wasn't your parent, if uh, an adult. One of your aunts or uncles or grandma or papa said something to you, you need to follow that instruction. We also pointed out that, that when you're at the beach, that you don't go, and this is more aimed at the smaller grandkids, you don't go into the water unless you have permission, unless your, your parent, uh, one of your parents knows that you're going in the water. Uh, uh, and then we also came up with a, with a, a rule, uh, that, that you don't go back to the condo. Without permission, I, on Saturday we had gone down to the beach for a little bit after we had all got there. Nick and Kristen were tied up, so 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 I said I'll take Caden, and so I I was in charge of Caden. So we all got to the beach. We're all out in the ocean, and and about every two minutes I'm doing this. I stop, and I I, I come up with twelve. I, I Reed and I both did it. We're just counting because we were so concerned. By the end of the week, we're like, if we get ten out of twelve home, we're doing good. But. Uh, but actually, it was really so. So I'm counting. I counted two or three times, and I counted once, and I came up with eleven. And I thought, well, you know, I probably miscounted. So I did again. I came up with eleven again. So then I I started Brian. I got Brian's three kids. Joel. I found Joel's four kids. Caleb. I found his two kids. Crystal. Only found two of her three were missing. Caden, the one I was in charge of, and and I happened to glance up. Now he had a life vest on, so I wasn't all that concerned, but. But he wanders sometimes, and so so I'm looking up and down the beach, and just in time to see this little kid walking up these stairs that go up over the dune and then back to the condos, uh, and it was Caden. Now, the bad thing was he was walking up the wrong set of stairs to the wrong condo, uh, so I started trying to, you know, it's hard to move fast in water, and I'm headed that way, and, and Brian's wife, Christy, saw him and hollered at him, and he came back. So uh, so, so I, I said, do not go back to the condo with that. He was going to get his, uh, his uh, snorkel gear, uh, so he just thought he'd take off uh, and do that. But so, so I emphasized to the kids how important it was that they obey, that they follow the rules, that they listen to what we said, that they did what we asked them to do. Now, you probably don't remember, it's been uh, three weeks ago, I believe now, maybe four, I, I, I've lost track, that I started this sermon entitled The Miracle on Mount Carmel. Uh, the reality is we've really not even talked too much about that miracle. We'll, we'll actually finish it next week and talk a little bit more about that. But, but in the first sermon, we talked how Elijah, uh, after God had called him to be a prophet, had had done his one prophecy, and that prophecy was to Ahab that it wasn't going to rain. And then, after he prophesied that, he went and 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 went to the Kirith Ravine, and then from there to Zarephath. So, so for the last two to three years, Elijah had just been kind of hanging out and chilling and not doing too much. So then, so then we noted that the next part of Elijah's story, which 
we find in 1 Kings chapter 18. So if you have your Bible, I, I would encourage you to turn there. We're, we're going to see some cool stuff. First, 1 Kings 18. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew back in front of you. Uh, and, and we saw there that, that we were told, or, or God uh, pointed out, that Elijah needed to obey. Uh, 1 Kings 18.1 says this, After a long time, so it had been that, in the third year, so three years later, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab. So so we a few weeks ago, we talked about that obedience requires action. Whenever God calls us to obey him, it always requires action. Action to go, action to speak truth. Uh, in fact, when, when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab... Uh, said, you troubler of Israel, and, and, uh, and Elijah didn't back down, didn't, didn't fall apart. Uh, he just pointed out, no, the problem with Israel isn't me, it's your fault. So he spoke the truth. And then he, then we see that, that God called him to trust him. Nothing I'm going to say this morning is more important to, than this. So it's in your notes if you want to make sure you fill this out. It's probably the most important thing I'm going to say today. When God calls us to obey him, he calls us to trust him. When God calls us to obey him, he calls us to trust him. And, and, and what is it that keeps us from obeying him? See, there's, there's things that God calls us to do. There's things that God tells us that we shouldn't do. And, and, and oftentimes we struggle, or at least I know I do, struggle to obey. Uh, uh, there, there, there's things that I just am not obedient to. And why is that? What, what keeps us from obeying him? See, some things are, some things are easy for us to obey. And at the same time, that very same thing might be difficult for someone else. For, for instance, some of you here today, maybe you don't have any trouble at all with your language, with your speech. You, you never take the Lord's name in vain. You don't use language that, uh, that, that is not wholesome. Uh, your, your language is always seasoned with salt. It, it always is pleasing to God. Some of you, that's easy. It's not even an issue. For some of you, you know who you are. Don't, don't point anyone. Some of you know that you struggle with that. That's just a hard thing. For, for some of you here this morning, you, you have no temptation, no struggle whatsoever with alcohol. The thought of, Drinking alcohol to excess, that is the furthest thing from your mind. You don't struggle with that at all. For others, maybe it is. For, for some of you, the thought of coveting what someone else has, I mean, that's, you don't worry. You, you, you don't, you're, you're not jealous of someone else's house or car or, or, or their job or their life or their wife or anything. You don't covet. That, that is, that is not even a problem. It doesn't even enter in your consciousness. For some of us here, Maybe, maybe coveting what other people have and being driven by that is difficult. For, for some of us, uh, putting things above God, kind of one of the big ten, having no other gods before you. Some of you, man, that's, that's no problem at all. Man, God is number one and I seek Him all the time. And, and, and some of us, maybe we struggle with uh, putting our job or entertainment or recreation or fun or our family or you just go down that list before God. See, for 
for those things we struggle with, and and I guess I, that was just a small list. I could have had a, a, a very expansive list. I, I guess even in that small list, I probably hit some of you uh, or most of you, and some of you might be thinking, well, why are you hitting me with all these at the same time? What keeps us from obeying? And, and, and let's take it a step further with obedience. Uh, sometimes God calls us, God calls us to step out. What about when God calls us to do something a little bit bigger? When God calls us to trust Him in, in some way to go, what holds us back? I, I would dare say what holds us up, what keeps us from obedience is trust. Will God or can God, will God or can God be trusted to show up? If I, God, if I hand you an addiction in my life, will, will you show up and give me victory? God, if I hand you control of sin in my life, Will, will you show up and give me peace? If I hand you control of my thoughts, my actions, my desires, God, will you show up and actually change my heart? If I step out in faith and do something that's out of my comfort zone, something that I wouldn't normally do, something that stretches me and my faith, will you show up and prove that you are in it? Uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, right before Moses was... Uh, was to die and, and, and be buried and hand the reins of leadership uh, over to Joshua. Uh, Moses gathered Joshua and the whole nation of Israel, and he gave them a promise and a blessing. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 7 for 8, it says this, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all of Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land the Lord has sworn to your forefathers to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. Now catch the next thing he says. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. Did you catch that? Did you catch the blessing and the promise that, that Moses gave Joshua? He says, the Lord will go before you and be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Not only was God going to go with them uh, into the promised land, but really what Moses was saying, Joshua, before you ever get there, God is there. What he was telling him was that God was going to be waiting. Church, can, can, can you grab hold of this? When we are called to obey, whether that is in, in an area that we, we need to give him control of or if God has called us to something big, if God has called us to step out and trust him, when, when we are called to obey, we can trust that God will show up. But not just show up. We can trust that God is already there waiting for us to arrive. He's already there waiting for us to arrive in our obedience. Jesus gave a very similar promise and blessing in John chapter 14. It was, it was at the last supper, the night before he was, uh, was to be, or the night that he was to be betrayed. In John 14, 15 and 16, he says this, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Uh, ties that idea of obedience there and again. And this is what Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. So basically saying, you're, you're never going to do this alone. I will always be with you. We can trust 
that when God calls us, he's going to be there. Uh, while we were in Florida, one of the, the afternoons we were down at the beach and I was, I don't know, I was about 10 feet out into the surf and uh, my uh, our grandson Thomas was standing on the beach. Now Thomas had his had his life vest on and and he was playing there. And I I hollered at him, said Thomas, come on in. And I I motioned for him to come into the waves. And he got this big old smile on his face. He has a beautiful smile. And and, and he started to walk into the water. And a, a wave kind of hit him and he bobbled him a little bit and splashed up. And he wiped the the salt water off his face and out of his eyes. And he took another step and another wave hit him and bobbled him a little bit more. And he he gave and he wiped the, 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 the salt water off his face. He took one more step and a wave hit him and this one took him off his feet and flipped him onto his back. And with that life vest, he floated. And this happened several times. He floated in the water like a turtle that you've taken up and set on its shell. And he was laying there on his back in the surf and, and he had a smile on his face that was kind of saying, I'm in the ocean, this is fun. But if you looked a little deeper you could see that really what that smile was saying, I'm in the ocean and I'm stuck on my back and I'm terrified. Uh, and, and, and so this is what I did. See, I had invited him into the waves and I had already gone ahead of him. And so all I did was reach down and grab the corner of his life vest and picked him up and set him on his feet on solid, well, sand, as solid as that can be, set him on the sand and immediately that smile of, I'm in the ocean, this is fun, return. Church, God calls us to obey. Will we trust him? So, so let's, let's move a little further into the chapter and we're gonna, we're gonna look at one other person. That's what we'll do today. Next week we'll look at actually a group of people. Um, and, and actually kind of finish up looking at this one person. So, so let's look at this point. Elijah, uh, God needed Elijah to obey, but Elijah needed Obadiah to oblige. If you have your Bibles in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, start with verse 2 uh, as I read there. And, and, and what I want you to look for as I read this, I, I want you to look for Obadiah's response to Elijah. It's, it's there. I just want to see if you catch it. Verse 2, so Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, because that's what God had said, go and present yourself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab had summoned Obadiah, his palace, palace administrator. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord, while Jezebel, that's Ahab's wife, was killing off the Lord's prophets. Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and had supplied them with food and water. Ahab had said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and mules alive so we will not have to kill any of our animals. Remember, there had been a, a drought for three years. So they divided the land they were to cover, Ahab going in one direction and Obadiah in another. Now look at verse 7. As Obadiah was walking along, Elijah met him. Obadiah recognized him, bowed down to the ground and said, is it really you, my Lord Elijah? Yes, he replied. Catch what, what, what Elijah says to him. Go tell your master Elijah is here. Now, now, now here's where you see his reaction, his response. What have I done wrong, said Obadiah, that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death? As surely as the Lord your God lives, the, lives, 
There is not a nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. And whenever a nation or kingdom claimed you were not there, he made them swear that they could not find you. Now you tell me, go to my master and say, Elijah's here. I don't where, I don't know where the spirit of the Lord may carry you when you leave. Basically what he's saying is, hey, you, you prophesied there'd be no rain, then you just disappeared. You might disappear again, is what he was saying. Uh, if I go and tell Ahab and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. Yet I, your servant, have worshipped the Lord since I was a youth. Haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, fifty in each, and supplied them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. He will kill me. Elijah said, as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Did you, did you catch that? Uh, his, his first response when, when he was called to do something extraordinary. Now, it may not seem extraordinary for him to go talk to Ahab, but, but it was. Uh, his response actually was typical of, of our response. Or, or at least let me be a little more personal. His response was typical of what my response awfully often is when God calls me to step out and trust him. Did, did you catch what it was? He reacted with fear. Look at verse, look at verse nine. What, what have I done wrong? asked Obadiah that you're handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death. Look at verse 12. I don't know where the Spirit of the Lord will carry you when you leave. If I go and tell Ahab and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. Look at verse 14. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. He will kill me. He had been so excited when he saw Elijah. It, it, it said there that he bowed down and, oh, is that you, Elijah? He had, man, what what a blessing. What great fortune. I'm getting to see the, the prophet who speaks for God. Man, Obadiah was thrilled. It's Elijah. You've come back. But then the prophet who speaks for God spoke, and it included Obadiah. It called on Obadiah to step out and do something, and he he got afraid. Uh in 2013, Reed and I uh, met a young lady named Gail Andrews. Gail uh, was an intern for Casas Per Cristo that summer, and she helped uh, helped us on a build. We were with uh, uh, leading a group from Central Christian at the time, and Gail and a couple uh, or, and another young uh, intern were leading our build. and And during that week, I got to know Gail pretty well. Or we got to know her well, and, and was talking to her. and And towards the end of the week, she made a comment that she was. Uh, was really thinking about, she just graduated from college, trying to decide where God wanted her to go, and she was really considering becoming a full-time missionary with Casas, which she actually ended up doing. But I remember during that conversation somewhere, she said, but you know what, Tim? It's scary. And a, a year ago, uh, uh, when when we built, we had a, a young intern, she, she built with... Uh, uh, Andrea at, at the site that Reed and I was on and some of you were on, a uh, young, young lady named Nan, Nan Hamelin. And Nan was an intern and I, I remember sometime during the week talking to Nan and she's 
she said, you know, I'm not sure what God wants me to do with my life, but I'm really thinking of, that God is, is telling me that I should be a full-time missionary with Casas for Cristo. But, but she said, you know, I'd, I'd have to quit my job and I'd have to sell my house. And, and I remember what she said. She said, it's scary. This past summer, just uh, a month ago, I talked with Maddie Stewart. Maddie was one of the interns that helped us build. And, and she, she has a year of college left. And, and I was talking to her about what her plans were. She said, you know, I'm, I don't know where God's going to lead me, but, but I really hope that he leads me back to Casas. I, I'm already talking to them. I would love to become a full-time missionary with Casas. And you might guess what she said. But boy, it's scary. Let me tell you something that you already know. But, but I, I want to reinforce that it's natural. It's what we do. It's okay. Being obedient to God and answering his call is sometimes scary. Trusting him to show up to, to, to not only be with us, but to be there when we get there, it's sometimes scary. Don't, don't you think it was scary for James and John and Peter and Andrew to drop their nets and walk away from their, their fishing boats and say, okay, Jesus, we're going to follow you. Don't, don't you think it was scary for Matthew to walk away from his tax collector table, walk away from his job, walk away from, from his income, which was, was a good income, and follow Jesus. Don't you think it was scary for Paul? Even though God had appeared to him and blinded him with a light, don't you think it was scary for Paul to, to go and change from being a persecutor of Christians to becoming persecuted because he was a, a Christian? When we are a Christ follower, I don't mean just showing up to church a couple times a month. When we are a follower of Christ, when we when we are someone who persistently and purposefully and prayerfully and, and pointedly seek God's face and God's will in our life, it is scary. It is scary to step out on faith. There, there will be risk and there will be unknown. And that's really what Elijah was asking of Obadiah. And oftentimes that would is what God calls of us. Step out and trust. His first reaction wasn't uncommon. I, I would suggest we do it all the time. At least I do it all the all the time. I, I react with fear, but but did you catch his second response? His, the second thing he did was he reported to, to Elijah, because maybe Elijah didn't know this. He reported to Elijah his past accomplishments. If you have your Bibles there in chapter 18, look at verse 12, just the uh, the second half of verse 12. He says, yet I, your servant, have worshipped the Lord since my youth. Uh, just so Elijah knew, he said, Elijah, since I was a, a lad, I have been serving the, the Lord. Now, if if Obadiah had grown up in the 60s and 70s, some of you guys aren't going to be familiar with this, but those of us of the 60s and 70s will. If Obadiah had grown up in the 60s and 70s, what he would have done to Elijah, he would have pointed at his chest and said, Elijah, don't you see my perfect attendance pens? Now, how many of, how many of you had those back when? Yeah, yeah, we had those. He would have, he would have put, don't, I have perfect attendance. For those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about, back in the 60s and 70s, we wore those as a badge of honor. If you were, if you had perfect intentions for a year, you got this pen. And each year thereafter, you got a little bar that you hung on the bottom of that. And 
And we were humble about that. We wore those to church every Sunday. And, and if you just had one or two years, you were just kind of like, you're a novice. But, but yeah, we had some guys in my church that had them strung down 10, 12 years and they wore those on, on their suits. We wore suits or I didn't, but adult men wore suits back then. Man, they walked around 12 years, perfect attendance. If Obadiah had lived in the sixties and seventies, he would have said, Elijah, look at my attendance pants. If Obadiah had lived today in today's world, he would have said, but, Elijah, don't you realize I, I've gone to church all my life. I've been involved in Sunday school. I was active in youth group. I, I went to NYR and Eminence every summer. I, when we started going to Mexico, I went to Mexico uh, on a mission trip. Every time we had a service project, I would sign up for that service project. Uh, Obadiah, don't you realize I have been faithful since I was a kid? Now, now notice what he says next in verse 13. Haven't you heard, my Lord? And, and really what he's saying is, you, know, you haven't been around here. You've been off who knows where, hiding away. H- haven't you heard, Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? And in essence, what he was saying is, maybe you didn't know this about me, Elijah. Maybe you haven't heard of the important work I did. Now, now I don't mean to brag. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean to brag, but but I saved the life of 100 prophets. I can just hear him saying, now, you're a prophet, aren't you, Elijah? I saved the life of 100 prophets. I, I, oh, Queen Jezebel was killing the prophets because of the drought. And you, you're the one that predicted the drought, right? Aren't you? Yeah. And I, because of that drought, Jezebel was running around killing prophets. And, and I said to myself, someone's got to do something. And so at great risk to myself and in the face of of, uh, staggering peril, I hid 50 prophets in one cave and 50 in another. And and then, Elijah, you know what I did? I took money out of my pocket. I took my own money. I, I, I didn't have any help. We didn't have any fundraisers. Didn't have a chili soup supper, feed the prophets. Uh, didn't get sponsors. No I did it all myself. I fed them and I kept them in water. And Elijah, you know this, those prophets eat a lot. <laughs> when, when we're called to step out on faith, to do something big for God, it's easy for us to sidestep the call by reporting our past accomplishments. You know, God, I would do that. But, but don't you remember all the other things I've done? I could head up that project, but don't you remember all those other projects I did? I could, I could make a sacrificial gift, sacrificial gift, but don't you remember all the other times I gave? I could change my schedule and serve, but, but look at the, this list of times I've served in the past. I could step out on faith into the unknown, but don't you remember? Obadiah reacted with fear. Basically said, Elijah, you're signing my death sentence. Then he reported his past accomplishments. Elijah, don't you realize how faithful I was? And I, the, the text doesn't really say it, but I, I think you can read between the lines. I, I envision Elijah standing there as Obadiah is, is talking all this stuff. I, I, I can, I can envision Elijah just standing there with his arms crossed, taking it in. 
And when he's finally done talking, just simply say, uh, yeah, still going to need you to go talk to Ahab. I, I don't, I don't know when it happened. I don't know if there was a long pause and, and Obadiah said, Hey, let me, uh, let me pray about this. I, I don't know if there was more conversation. I, I tend to believe there probably was. If, if Elijah had to pump him up and encourage him and point out scriptures of pro, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it happened, when it happened, but eventually we see that Obadiah remembered his call. Next week we'll, next week we'll open up, uh, that call. We'll, we'll, we'll look a little bit more at, at that and see what, what it looks like. There's really some, some cool stuff for us there. And, and then we'll look at that third group that we need to talk about. So let me finish this morning by simply reminding you of something I said at the start of the sermon today. When God calls us to obey him, he calls us to trust him. When he calls us to obey, he calls us to trust. See, that was true of Elijah. When, when God said, God said, obey uh, and, and, and prophesy, when God said, obey and go, God, God was saying, Elijah, you have to trust me. It's true of Obadiah when, when, when even in the face of, of maybe losing his life, at least that's what he thought could happen, when, when we're called to obey, it's, you have to trust God. And it's true of us as well. This past summer, when we were in Mexico, so a month or so ago, uh, we met our uh, CASA's interns in the parking lot at Sam's, which is what we do every year. And uh, as we were kind of getting to know them and formulate a plan on getting across the border, and and as I forgot to ask Kevin to pray because he had a great devotion, sorry about that, Kevin, next year you've got that prayer. Uh, uh, as we're talking through, I, I pulled Maddie uh, Stewart aside, and I'd been told Maddie was kind of the head intern for the week, and so I pulled Maddie aside and I said, Maddie, have you ever... Have you ever been out to a Napa on a Sunday? And she said, no. said, I, I haven't. I've not really been out to a Napa much, but I've never on a Sunday. I said, well, Maddie, on Sunday, they have a, uh, a flea market. And, and when, when you get out into a Napa, the road is clogged with, with booths set up and, and you can barely get a vehicle through there, but it, it is a nightmare to try to get a vehicle pulling a trailer through there. So, so I said, what we normally do is we, we jog over a block and bypass that. And I said, Maddie, and, and Rita, I did this as humbly as I could. You don't trust me on that, but I said, Matt, maybe if you want me to, when we get to a napper, I will lead, I'll, I'll take over and lead the group. So we bypass that. And Maddie said, okay, that sounds like a good idea. And a little bit later we went over and she talked to the other Casas intern that was driving Chloe in and said kind of the same thing. Hey, Tim says there's a, a flea market and, and when we get out there, he wants to, to lead so that he, we can bypass that. And so Chloe says, okay. So we get to a napper and, and Chloe's leading and Heath Wettstein's driving the second van pulling, uh, the, the bigger of the two trailers. I'm in a van pulling the smaller of the trailers. Maddie's behind. Me. So the one I really talked to is in the exact wrong spot. But, but as we pull into a dapper and start up the hill, I'm, I'm waiting because I thought Chloe's going to pull over, let me fly by, and I'm going to like, yep, follow me. Uh, maybe a little bit of pride there. I don't know. And, but she never pulled over. And we pull up over that hill and you top that hill, you see all of those, uh, all those stands set up. You see the road congested. And I'm thinking, okay, that's going to jog her memory. She'll pull over 
let me pass. And she did. She just kept plowing on. And so I came to the road that we jog right. And I was torn for a second. Do I follow? And I'm like, I'm not pulling this trader through that. And so I turn and jog a block over. And and, and I, I wonder what Maddie would do. Well, Maddie followed me. And we zip down that side street behind Esmart all the way over. We, we get to the church. And we were at the church, I don't know, 15 minutes waiting on uh, on Chloe and uh, Heath to get there, at least 15 minutes, the whole time thinking, should have followed me, <laughs> should have let me lead. When, when when they finally pulled up, in fact, Maddie got concerned and called Chloe to try to find, are you okay, are you lost? And, and sure enough, they got clogged in that and had a hard time getting through. And it, it was everything I could do, Rita, not to go up to Chloe and say, I told you so. I didn't. I I said it under my breath to myself, but, uh, uh, well, maybe a couple people besides her. So, uh, anyway, here's the reality is it really came down to this. Chloe didn't trust me. Can you believe that, Andrea? That they didn't trust me. Uh, she, she didn't believe that I knew what I was talking about. So she wanted to leave. God calls us to trust him, to hand over leadership to him, to to know that he's going to be with us, that he's going to arrive before us, no no matter what he asks of us. Would you stand? As we prepare for our time of decision, if if you're struggling with giving something over to God, and and maybe maybe it's a sin in your life, maybe it's a part of your life that that you struggle with, that God needs control, but you, you've just struggled to hand it over. Can I trust God with this? Or, or maybe God has been speaking to your heart. Maybe God's been, been prompting you and pushing you. And the Holy Spirit's been giving you opportunities to step out. And I don't know what that might look like. Maybe it's step out and trust Him in giving or step out and trust Him in sharing your faith or step out and trust Him. And so I don't know what it might be, but, but God's been calling you to step out in the unknown. But, but you're not sure, can I trust God to be in this? Know that when he calls us to obey, he calls us to trust him. Would you pray with me quickly? Father, give us the strength today. Give us the faith today to trust. As Moses told Joshua that God would already be in the promised land when they arrived in their obedience. Father, help us trust and know that whatever you call us to, you're already ahead of us. You arrive before we ever think of going. Father, give us the ability, the faith, the trust to believe in you. In Jesus' name.